this episode of the Blue Jacketeer podcast, we'll be covering chapter 22 of the Cormoran Manual. Welcome to the Blue Jacketeer podcast, where we help you prepare for the Navy-wide advancement exam by covering study material created by highly qualified sailors. Learn more about what we have to offer at www.bluejacketeer.com. Welcome back to the bluejacketeer.com podcast for hospital corpsmen. I'm Taylor Larson, and I'll be walking you through this chapter of the corpsman manual. Here at Blue Jacketeer, we aim to bring you the tools you need to be successful on the Navy-wide advancement exam. On this episode, we'll continue with the hospital corpsman manual covering chapter 22. Be sure to pay attention because on the next episode, you'll be quizzed on what you learned today. Without further delay, let's get started. Sit back, relax, and listen up. This is Chapter 22 of the Hospital Corman Manual, Poisoning and Drug Abuse. This chapter is mainly going to be a bit of definitions and then a lot of medical treatment guidelines for different poisonings and animal bites, so I'll go over some of the key differences, but this chapter really is a decent read because while it obviously can't cover all poisoning, overdose, and animal bites and stings, there are a lot of good general tips within that can be applied to other similar situations. Before any deployment or operational commitment, it's strongly recommended to contact your AOR PrevMed techs so that you can get the latest medical intelligence and surveillance data that will cover all of the communicable diseases, local pests, and environmental dangers that aren't common to your home port area. A poison is a substance that produces a harmful effect on body structures or functions when introduced into the body. Poisons often won't show an effect until several doses have been taken, but this starts a cumulative effect because once the effect starts, it's normally equal to if the entire amount was taken at one time, ignoring the smaller doses. The science and study of poisons, their actions, how to detect them, and their treatments are all studied under toxicology. So, poisoning is defined as the presence of signs or symptoms associated with exposure or contact with a substance. When a patient with a potential poisoning case presents themselves, the assessment of the patient is more important than the effort to identify and treat a specific poison. There are six steps in the initial evaluation and follow-up care of poison management. There's stabilization, evaluation, the prevention or limitation of absorption, elimination enhancement, administration of specific antidotes, and continuing care and disposition. There's a great table on the top of page 22 tech 4 that goes over some of the different syndromes, their potential sources, and signs and symptoms that can manifest from them. The Navy loves to pull information for questions from tables, so make sure to review that. When you're treating the patient, the general treatment will depend on how the poison was introduced. Ingested poisons should receive an emetic or gastric lavage treatment. Inhaled poisons should receive oxygen ventilation. Absorbed poisons should have the poison removed from their skin by cleaning. And injected poisons should be treated with antidotal medications. The ingesting of poisons is the most common route of exposure. Non-corrosive substances will irritate the stomach and produce signs of vomiting, convulsions, and symptoms of nausea and severe abdominal pain. The patient can complain of a strange taste, and the lips, and the lips, tongue, and mouth may look different than normal. 
Giving an emetic is the preferred method for emptying contents of the stomach, but Ipecac syrup is the most commonly used substance that you'll likely have access to. Don't get those two confused. Emetics are most preferred. Ipecac syrup is the most commonly used. The book covers some acids and bases, but I want to reinforce that you'll never want to try to treat an acid or base ingestion by giving them a neutralizing agent by mouth. Only give water, unless specifically directed by a poison control center or a medical officer. We have people on this planet that do, against all self-preservation tendencies, ingest volatile petroleum products like kerosene, gasoline, turpentine, and furniture polish. These patients usually experience severe chemical pneumonia and will present with signs and symptoms such as abdominal pain, choking, gasping, vomiting, and fever. If a physician or poison control center can't be reached, you can give the patient 30 to 60 milliliters of vegetable oil. Food poisoning can happen after ingesting animal or plant materials, or even some chemicals that are used in raising, processing, or preserving crops and livestock. Most bacterial and viral food poisonings will appear within 8 hours of ingesting the causing substance. Inhalation is the more common route of exposure to toxic substances in the Navy and other industrial settings. Carbon monoxide poisoning is the most common variant of gas poisoning, and the lips and skin of a victim of carbon monoxide poisoning are characteristically cherry red. Inhaling metal fumes, on the other hand, can cause a special type of acute or delayed poisoning. The resulting illness is called metal fume fever, and the most common cause of this in the Navy is the inhalation of vaporized zinc found in the galvanized covering of iron and steel. Alright, now we can move on to injected poisonings and envenomations. For all but minor local reactions to bites or stings, there are two key treatment steps. Removing the stingers without squeezing additional venom into the victim, typically by scraping a dull knife along the skin as if you're shaving the patient. The second, if there is a severe allergic reaction, immediately give the patient a sub-Q injection of 1 to 1,000 solution of epinephrine. Dosage is 0.5 milliliters for adults and ranges from 0.1 to 0.3 milliliters for children. The black widow and brown recluse spiders can cause severe symptoms. The black widow is identified by its red hourglass shape on its belly, and the brown recluse is known by its violin-shaped marking. First aid for a spider bite is to place ice over the bite to reduce pain. Hospitalize any patients with respiratory distress, any pediatric or elderly patients, pregnant patients especially, and patients with a cardiac history. Always be prepared to give antivenom in severe cases. Poisonous snakes are found all throughout the world, except some islands and the Antarctic. Crotalids are a part of the viper snake family. The most identifying feature of a pit viper is that the head will be much wider than the body. It'll kind of look like an arrowhead. Pit viper snakes leave two puncture marks, though sometimes one and sometimes more. I don't even know why the book has that in there, if it's going to be so vague. Signs and symptoms of a venomous snake bite include a visible bite on the skin with local discoloration, some pain and swelling in the bite area, possible bleeding from the bite, labored breathing, 
progressive weakness and drowsiness or a loss of consciousness. The first aid goal with a snake bite is to reduce, not stop, the circulation of blood through the bite area, delay the absorption of the venom, maintain vital signs, and transport with as little movement as possible. Now onto poisonous fish. General symptoms after a too close encounter with a poisonous fish are nausea, vomiting, sweating, and respiratory distress and collapse. Heat can break down the venom from a poisonous fish, so try soaking the wound in hot water with a max temperature of 114 degrees Fahrenheit. To further help reduce the pain, you can administer 0.5% to 2% xylocaine without epinephrine. The most common stinging injury is the jellyfish sting. They can have long, sometimes transparent tentacles that trail behind them, so it's important to stay aware of their locations. Coral wounds are something that aren't regularly thought of with this subject, but because of their sharp edges, coral cuts can take a long time to heal and can even cause some temporary disability. Coral first aid treatment amounts to controlling the bleeding, cleaning the wound with hydrogen peroxide and debriding the wound, covering it with a clean dressing, and applying a topical antibiotic ointment to prevent any future ulcerations. Now onto drug abuse. We'll talk about CNS depressants and CNS stimulants. The section starts off with a large table on page 22 tech 30 that lists all manner of drugs and what category they fall into. CNS depressants include the most effective and widely used painkillers in existence. The more common drugs here are opium, morphine, heroin, codeine, and methadone. A narcotic user that has withdrawn from drugs will typically appear wildly disturbed, agitated, restless, and possibly hallucinating. Think of Tweak from South Park. Alcohol is the most widely abused drug today. Severe alcohol abusers will experience withdrawal symptoms such as severe agitation, anxiety, sweating, profound depression, and delirium tremens, a particular type of confusion and shaking that is considered a medical emergency. Barbiturates are our last CNS depressant. Barbiturates are classified based on their duration of action. Short-acting agents, less than 6 hours. Intermediate agents, from 6 to 18 hours and long-acting agents greater than 18 hours. Barbiturate withdrawal is life-threatening. Symptoms can start within 24 hours and can include muscle tremors, convulsions, delirium, and death. CNS stimulants increase mental alertness by combating drowsiness and fatigue. Amphetamines are legitimately used in treating conditions like mild depression, obesity, narcolepsy, and ADHD. These drugs can cause euphoria, an increase in alertness, intensified emotions, aggressiveness, and increased sexuality. The medical signs and symptoms of an amphetamine user can be midriasis, dilated pupils, increased temperature, tachycardia, and hypertension. This concludes our lesson for Chapter 22 of the Hospital Corman Manual. I hope that you were able to not only learn something, but also apply some of the information in this chapter to your daily duties. Remember, at Blue Jacketeer, we bring you the very best in advancements and preparation. Don't forget to listen to the audio quiz for this lesson, and get your best studying done with our expert study tools at www.bluejacketeer.com. 
Also, make sure to look for our next lesson, where we'll be covering Chapter 23 of the Hospital Corbin Manual. As always, I'm Taylor Larson, reminding you to stay Navy and always keep working for that next rank. Thank you.